It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 2nd of May. Lots and lots of research yields... Maybe nothing. Houston is just not flawed. We'll look at that, plus talk about switching, some options, jazz player reaction yesterday, and a turbulent plane. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky numbers and a look behind the curtains of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. Uh, A lot of you ask what you do when you're on the road. This is unusual because we've been here for so long. So I thought I'd kind of just give you at least what I do. I'm not particularly exciting. Um, I think some other people probably do some more exciting things. Uh, But we arrived Saturday mid-afternoon-ish, mid-period of time. Um, and so Saturday night, there's a restaurant that's near here, uh, legendary Houston family. Uh, and I, uh, am a huge, you know, I'm, I like to go to nice restaurants. It's one been nominated for the best new restaurant, James Beard. So I went there and that was pretty much, um, all my Saturday night. Sunday we played. And then Sunday night, I went out for dinner with Kristen. Had a um, nice time with Kristen, but a very bad dining experience. The uh, restaurant didn't know the ingredients of their food. So for those of us, I have a nut allergy. It was very hard to... uh, But otherwise, Sunday's kind of shot with the game. Yesterday, or Monday, was the players uh, held a media availability. And this is one of those things where it's like hard, I think, unless you are used to being on the road. You just end up losing your day. So the players met at noon, and their media availability was at 1-something, but you didn't really know what time it was going to be, so you're kind of just hanging out, waiting. And then we did that, and then you did Facebook. we did a Facebook Live, and then next thing you know, it's 3 o'clock, and you know, you, I get up and go to coffee with Igor every morning, so I've, you know, I've been doing stuff for a while, but you just your day kind of slips away. Uh, you try to head to the gym. And then Monday night was fun. Eric Waters is our trainer. Uh, arranged for a bunch of us to go to the Yankees-Astros game. We did that. A bunch of jazz players. They got the jazz players a suite. Joe Ingles, Dante Exum, David Stockton, Donovan Mitchell, and one or two other players um, I know went to that. And uh, they uh, went to the game. And then Eric and I actually left, and Jack White of the White Stripes was playing in town. So we went down to that concert for a little while. Uh, and then actually we're back by 10.30, 10.45 at night. So that was Monday. That was cool to get to do that. Uh, they are great museums here. I was trying to get to that at some point, And then just kind of that's a good example. Yesterday, like, okay, I'm going to get to these museums. I'm going to get to these museums. Uh, the guys started filming at 11.45. Um, I got to bump into an old friend who used to be director of food services for uh, Larry H. Miller for about eight years when I lived in Salt Lake the first time. And she and I had a coffee after I already had my coffee with Igor, so I was wired. Uh, and, you know, I'm convinced I'm going to get to the museums. And and then 
by the time practice happens and they go pretty long and then they spend a bunch of time on the floor and you do your post-game interviews and then you do a Facebook Live and then it's 4 o'clock and now you're not getting to the museum and then you do some work and then it's 8 o'clock and you run out for dinner. And uh, I went to a great Asian place by myself last night, um, had a really nice meal. I eat a lot by myself, one, because I go to restaurants I don't think other people want to go to, and two, because, frankly, at some point you just don't want to be around other people. So there, uh, that was probably really boring, but people want to know what's going on, and, frankly, it's not that exciting. Uh, so maybe that was the point of it, is that it's it can be a little boring. There's not been any golf. There's not, you're not, just, there's enough stuff that takes your day um, that, and frankly, it's been pretty slow on this trip, so you're kind of eager to go play today uh, more than anything. All right, let's get into uh, some fun stuff. Uh, I thought there was an interesting listening to Joe Ingles and Jay Crowder and Royce O'Neal and talking to Donovan Mitchell and talking to some other players. Very clear that to have Quinn Snyder prepare a game plan and start to walk them through a game plan is... Uh, a comfort zone for these guys. It's almost like it's their security blanket. Uh, there was a, hey, we need you know an understanding that they were incredibly tired and didn't have that chance for game one. But there was it was interesting to listen to them yesterday. They clearly felt much better having been through two film sessions with Quinn and the coaching staff and having um, now suddenly had a chance. Now suddenly having a chance to walk through it on the floor. There, there was just a lot of talk to that and understanding what they were trying to do and feeling there was a game plan. Um, you know, Houston's just not as flawed as Oklahoma City. When when I watched Quinn Snyder put the Jazz through Game Two preparation, uh, there were just flaws that Oklahoma City had that 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 Quinn was going to expose, and and the Jazz were able to do it. And. Um, I don't, I'm not sure I have that same. I mean, Houston's really, really good. We've, we're up a notch, right? This is just a different level. I think the Pelicans saw it last night. There, there's a chance that what we're going to see in the Warriors, Pelicans, and Jazz Rocket series is that there were, there were seven, eight teams that were all pretty even in the, uh, middle of the playoff race in the Western Conference. And there were two teams that were just on a completely different sphere. Than anyone else. I, I, I mean, watching the Warriors Pelicans last night, the Pelicans looked just kind of as, in some ways, as good as they did against the Trailblazers. But the Warriors, particularly with Steph back, are just that much better. And there's there's a chance that the same thing is is true here that that the Rockets won 65 games during the regular season. That when they've had their guys healthy, they've only I think lost four games all year. Um, that there's a chance that both the Rockets and the Warriors are just on a different different level and. And frankly, the the records would say as much. Um, one of the other things I was running through last night, and I didn't finish, and I'll get to my large uh, research project here at the end, is how many times have teams with a 17-win differential, I'll hopefully have this on the broadcast, uh, has the team have played in the playoffs, has the team, you know, what is the result of those series more than how they won, but what is just the result? Uh you look through the history of the league, and, and you don't find a lot of circumstances. Um, I think I found a New York-Miami series, a Denver-Seattle uh, series when Denver's the uh, number one seed, but you don't – or excuse me, when Seattle's the number one seed and Denver's number eight, you don't see a great deal of circumstances in which you have – you know, first got to have a significant upset – 
which don't happen in the NBA very often over a seven-game series. And then the second thing you have to have um, in, in that seeding is you have to have a 17-game differential, is which we have in this series, and that, that seems to be an awful lot. Uh, so, you know, there, that, that would be a thought I had for you. Where was I? So Jazz player reaction, I thought, had, had a level of confidence uh, to what they were saying. Uh, Strategy-wise, as we kind of get, get into this, uh, I'll do that uh, getting for you in the next segment and then uh, share with some research for you um, that I did as well, trying to find a flaw in the Rockets and not sure um, that I actually did find a flaw. Uh, in the Rockets. Uh, another conversation I had this week, it was an interesting conversation. I thought it related maybe to the Raptors last night. It re- relates to the Clippers of the past. Uh, and we, and maybe we're going to find out we have one, one of these, uh, we're, t- we're talking about somebody that made the analogy that in a basketball, of a basketball series, as being a turb- really turbulent flight. And every now and then you got a guy on your roster who when you hit the turbulence, you just kind of know he's going to get you through that. So the Clippers maybe are the best example of this, of a team that, you know, when they hit a turbulent flight, they did not know they were going to get through it. They, In fact, the exact opposite was true. They, they kind of generally collapsed and didn't think they could get through it. Um, the flip side, obviously, would be the Michael Jordan Bulls. And maybe we're seeing last night a great example of this with, <coughs> excuse me, LeBron James. There was a turbulent flight. He was having an off night, and he got them to a win. Whereas there was a turbulent flight, and Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan just might not be as good as they are. Guys that get you through the, tur- you know, that just land your plane for you. You know. We're, maybe we're going to find out we've got a guy who lands our plane for us. You know, Donovan's performance in Game 6 is pretty high up there world-class playoff performance. And maybe we're about to find out that we've got a guy that does that. It's just that special. It seems like a huge ask for a rookie. But let's let's keep watching because what he did in Game 6 was he landed the plane. And what's interesting about Houston is I don't know if they have – Someone to land their plane in turbulence. When they won championships here, Akeem Olajuwon landed that plane. Um, you know, so you look back at those teams, and maybe it's a self-fulfilling thing, but you can look back at Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and you can kind of see a history of not landing the plane in turbulence. And when you look at teams that knock on the door that were awfully close that never quite got there they they have some history at different rounds and maybe they snuck through while not landing the plane very well a few times but as the things amp up a little bit do they do they have that landing the plane capability uh and you know paul george has not shown that ability to land a plane right we talked about his late game failures so i i think that's a little bit of a storyline here if you're trying to find something for the jazz a little bit because i don't know if we know whether chris paul and james harden can land a plane yet now, I don't know that the Jazz are the team that can give them turbulence. But that would be our goal, is that let's see whether maybe our kid's that special, and let's see if we can then give them a little turbulence and see whether or not they can land their plane. Does that analogy make any sense? 
Hey, if you're around this weekend, there is a great event taking place at the store. Saturday, May 5th, is Ace Hardware's National Barbecue Day. Next to the store is the Cottonwood Ace. And the CEO of Traeger, Jeremy Andrews, is going to be on site, as well as the Traeger team members themselves to teach everyone and help everyone set up a Traeger. Uh, they'll be grilling. Jeff and Scott will be out there drilling, uh, drilling, grilling. They might be drilling too, but they're going to be grilling with the Ace team. So they'll do great food out there. They always have their smoker out there, but they have the best. So Cottonwood Ace is connected on the backside of the store. They're right around the corner. And they have the best selection of all Traeger uh, grills in the state, kind of the Traeger showroom. So that is going on Saturday, National Barbecue Day at the Cottonwood Ace. And then... Of course, stop by the store uh, and pick up any of my favorite items while you're there and get a feel for the great place. 6200 South and 20th East. That's 6200 South, 20th East. Make sure you go get yourself a mudslide cookie after you've gone barbecued uh, over at the store. 6200 South, 20th East, Ace Hardware, National Barbecue Day, and the CEO of Traeger uh, will be there. Today's show is brought to you also in part by Optimal Norms. We do all these things where we train our kids to try to make them better athletes and help them out. Uh, But probably a lot of these things we could do also involve things that would help them off the floor, both in test-taking as well as sports performance. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about what Optimal Norms offers for you, mental performance consulting. Talk about something that truly can help you in sports, but that translates into every other aspect of schooling, of life, handling pressure, Confidence, motivation, focus, decision-making, relaxing in big moments. That's what the coaches of Optimal Norms will do for you. They've all got advanced degrees in sports science and psychology. And you sit down one-on-one with a mental performance consultant, deliberately train the mental aspects of the sport. And then uh, you have the availability to reach them online for online sessions as well if you're traveling or if you are too busy to get there, however it might work. Check out OptimalNorms.com. Mason does a nice job uh, with his company, OptimalNorms.com, 801-722-8180. Tell them you're with Locked On Jazz, and you will can purchase five or more sessions. You can get one for free. That's OptimalNorms.com, 801-722-8180, helping you both in the sports world and beyond. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because, let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's get to some strategy things. Cleaning the glass which is a great site by Ben Falk. 
did a, a piece on the Pelicans Warriors, and he talked about slipping screens. And I thought that this was, I'm going to read from this because I thought it was of, of value to our series. The move, um, so what he's talking about is how the Warriors switched everything. Um, frequent tactic used to beat switches is slipping screens. When the screener doesn't fully set the screen, but instead comes up like he's screening, and then darts out of it to the basket, it places a lot of stress on a switching defense. The screener's defender has to come out high to pick up the ball on the switch, which means the defender guarding the ball has to get low enough to get under the screener before he rolls. So if the screener dives to the rim quickly, he can often get open before the defense can complete the switch. So that, I think, from reading that, and you think about the Warriors' switch, the Rockets' switch uh, 50% more than the Warriors do. The Rockets switch 300 times more than league average, three times more than what the league average does. And so you slip the screen. You have to read whether they're switching or not. You have to kind of guess whether they're switching, and you've got to do it. The key line he has here is that the screeners, the ball handler defender guarding the ball has to get low enough to get under the screener before he rolls. So in the other way to phrase that is that the roller has to roll before the guy can get under him. So that then Gobert and Favors are rolling to the basket. Now, Favors in this series and Gobert together gets awfully interesting. In the last series, it was kind of what we did and what made us great. And in this series, it gets far more difficult to play these guys together. Okay, so in the last series... They, they were really terrific. But if you look through the season, and obviously a lot of these were early before, in the first game against the Rockets, they played 16 minutes together. We got outscored by three points. So that's not so bad. Um, you're, not, you know, you're not too upset about that. Um, the next matchup uh, the two teams played, they played seven minutes and got outscored by 17 points. In the seven minutes they were on the floor, the Rockets scored 1.7 points per possession. So that wasn't great. Then Rudy missed the next game, and then we have our February game, and in 16 minutes they were minus eight with the Rockets scoring 117 points per 100 possessions. So the difficulty of playing favors and Gobert it happens on both sides. One defensively. The amount of ground they both have to cover with the spread offense of the Houston and the driving um, of Harden that then the other one has to be out on the floor trying to guard three-point shots. Favors did a really nice job of it at times in in game one. Harden hit some step backs, but generally I thought Derek did that that pretty well. The other thing is if you're going to have that on the floor, you have to be able to punish them. And that's unfortunately not something that either of our guys do very well. Rudy, self-explanatory, is not a great post-up player. Derek had some success on Carmelo and some other guys in the Thunder series, but for the season, when Derek posts up, he shot 17 of 43, 
39.5%, turns it over 18% of the time he's in the post, and scores at a rate of 42% of the time, which puts him in the 25th percentile for post-up players. Uh, So that's not a great strength of his. And that's difficult because also the guys, like, your instinct might be, well, let's go get James Harden. James Harden is actually a pretty darn good post defense. It's when he moves is probably he's at his weakness. P.J. Tucker is awfully strong down there as well. So there aren't a lot of guys you can take advantage of. By the way, just so you know, a year ago, Derek had a better season posting up. He was at 49% uh, the year prior. So it's probably still in there. We don't post up a lot. It's not something he works on a lot. Um, And so it's a weird thing to go back to. But the Going to the post for a post-up possession when they're not going to double-team off any shooters because they're not too scared about it and your average is going to be less than a point per possession when they're going to counter with a three is probably exactly what they want. You know, that's the tricky thing about the Rockets. They get you into isolation more than any team does in the league. And so when you start to look at this and want to try to figure out, well, what are the strategy things the Jazz have to do The thing I've probably learned the most during this playoffs is you're not necessarily going to be able to change who you are and what you do. And so what do the Jazz do? What the Jazz do is they get a team into the blender, and they start penetrating, they lead the league in drives, and they break the defense down, and they swing the ball, and then they get open looks, and they get particularly open three-point corner looks. And so against the adjustment that the Jazz really have to make in this series is that against a switching defense like the Rockets, how can you still get the blender started? And that's that's not an easy concept. And that's, you know, so you if you slip the screen and you throw it down to Favors or Gobert, uh, are they able to finish at the rim immediately, or are they kicking back out to somebody who then is now starting the blender because the defense adjusted to that pass into the paint? Are you going a little half roll? You probably can't do half rolls because the if you slow down and do a half roll, a half roll is where you don't roll all the way to the rim. You roll to catch in the middle of paint and then try to distribute out of that. If you do that, the switching defense probably catches you, so you've got to be rolling all the way to the rim. It's a very different defensive structure that if you're not a great isolation team, to be able to, you're going to have to find different ways to start the blender uh, today against a team that switches. The Jazz were able to discover against Oklahoma City how to start the blender between games one and two. And what that was is that Oklahoma City sent four hands to the ball. That was their whole defensive philosophy, is that when Rubio came off a pick to the left and the defender to Stephen Adams and the guy on Rubio would come to him. There'd be four hands on the ball. And now, to some extent, what Quinn discovers, okay, well, now you've actually started my blender for me because if Rubio can get off that ball quickly, you have two guys on the ball. We're now going to have an advantage somewhere. We can start driving and kicking and getting it, and then particularly we can swing it cross-court because you overshift. The Rockets do not have those same defensive flaws, so it's going to be much, much more difficult. Uh, to be able to expose those aspects of who of what the Rockets are. All right, I did a huge research project in which I went through the 17 Rockets losses trying to find a common thread to what made them lose uh, this year. And I will share that with you uh, coming up.
I want to point out that today's show is brought to you by The Advocates. Matt and The Advocates have done uh, some really neat, fun things. I don't know if they're fun when you're dealing with personal attorney, but what I like about it is the efficiency and the philosophy behind it. So the philosophy, the core essence of what makes The Advocates unique is that they understand that with only 1% of cases going to trial and 3% going to arbitration, that you are going to end up with, while every accident is different, the process is the same. And so he has masterminded a 106-step process that he walks every single case through. And along the way, there's different people in their office who do different steps along the way for the advocates. The way Royce O'Neill is your defense specialist. They've got their person who deals with the insurance company. And what they're allowed to do is to make sure you get good results, make sure nothing bad happens to you and treat you well, because what that does is that process is efficient. Efficiency means productivity. It means increased communication. And that means uh, expediting the process and getting you results at the end. It's pretty interesting uh, to hear Matt talk about. Here, if you call the advocates at 801-355-5550, a lawyer will call you back within 60 seconds. He'll get your case scheduled, put into the system, and you'll be moving along. That's 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550, utahadvocates.com. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, so here's the research. I went through all 17 losses. I charted their offensive efficiency, their three-point shooting, their percentage of shots were three-point, their pace, their free-throw attempts, their fast-break points to try to see their assist-to-turnover rate, to see what I might be able to discover. And honestly, the first thing that I discovered in a bit of disappointment is that there that nothing popped out. Like, it's not one of these things where you can go... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. It's not one of those things where you can go and say, oh, if we limit their threes... We're going to be all right. In fact, in only two of their 17 losses did they take less than 45% of their shots as threes. So even in their losses, they got their shots off. I went and looked at their shot distribution. Maybe they don't get shots in the restricted area. In fact, in losses, they get two more shots in the restricted area than they do during the season. Well, maybe if we slow them down and it's pace of play... Well, actually, in only seven of their 17 losses was the pace under 100. 
What is going on? So pace is not an indicator. Fast break. Maybe a little. In 10 of their 17 losses, they only had... Ten, they had fewer than 10 fast break points. They had a 4, a 5, a 4, a 6, a 9, an 8, a 2, a 0, a 7, and a 3. They also had a 14, 16, 28, 14. So that's a little bit of an indicator that if you keep them out of fast breaks, that that helps a little. Now, there was no indicator that they took less, fewer threes than usual. But they did make less. In 13 of their 17 losses... They had 14 threes or more. Or fewer, excuse me. Or fewer. I I said that wrong. So 14 or fewer threes. That's a lot of threes still. But but what what I found was that they didn't seem to have a consistent... um, you know, it wasn't like they weren't getting them off. They free throw attempts. Well, if you got to keep them off the line, right? Well, it's maybe too hard to do. In eight of seventeen, they allow teams allowed fewer than twenty-five free throw attempts. In nine of seventeen, they allowed thirty, and in fourteen of seventeen, they allowed fewer than thirty-five. So, I mean, okay, in half their losses, 25 free throws. In half their losses, the pace was under 100. In almost all their losses, they had less than 14 threes. Maybe there's something. What I, The one thing I found was that they their assist-to-turnover ratio, which I'm not a big believer in, went wacky. When they lose, their assist-to-turnover ratio is getting awfully close to -to one-to-one. And when they win, it's about, they've got it about, you know, five over uh, or more. So that's the one thing um, that kind of jumped out to me. They're 22 to 13 in wins, 19 to 15 in losses. In their assist-to-turnover, in nine of their 17 losses, the assist-to-turnover ratio was within two of each other, or the wrong way. They also had, what's interesting, they really had bad offensive nights. 13 of their 17 losses came in their 26 worst offensive games. So they have to have a bad offensive night, but there doesn't necessarily seem to be the consistent thread to what is a bad offensive night. It's not that they didn't get their threes, which kind of what we all thought. It's not even necessarily that they didn't get to the free throw line. Now, there are some trends you can look at with them, right? So we just talked about the 14-3 thing. You know, when they make over, and their record's great anyway, right? When they make 15 threes, which they did 46 times this year, they're 42-4. and four. Okay, so that 15th three, they're 42 and four. And they start to they start to lose a little bit at the four mark. And if you, you know, they played 82 games, they only lost 17. But now you start to look at if they're below 15 threes, 
they're gonna, they start to lose a little bit, right? Then they're suddenly twenty three and thirteen. That's a pretty eye opening difference. So forty two and four if they make fifteen or more threes, twenty three and thirteen if they're under. They're still great. We look at free throw attempts. It, it it's not a bellwether. In fact, the the weird one is the more they go to the line, the more they lose. When they take 30 free throws, which, like, I don't know how this makes any sense. But when they take 30 free throws or more in a game, it's happened 18 times, they're only 11 and 7. Are they that good a three-point shooting team that by fouling them? And, like, and, what, and I don't know, I haven't, like, what would you do as a coach with that? So if they take 30 or more free throws, they're 11 and 7. I, again, I don't. I'm not sure what to do with that. Turnovers. Again, to the assist-to-turnover ratio issue. They have had 16 or more turnovers in 19 games. They've lost five of them. They're 14 and five. It's not, I mean, oh, excuse me, they've lost six of them. They're 13 and six. It's interesting to just try to dig in, like, what's causing this. If opponents make a bunch of threes, like, oh, you get hot the other way. I mean, I tried to dig into everything. Nope. I mean, as opponents make 14, more than 14 threes against them. So you're trying to match them three for three. The opponents are eight and six. Okay, I mean, on a team, that, that's that's a pretty big... That's a pretty big number in the sense that they only lost 17 games all year, and that's eight of their losses, or that's six of their losses. So, you know, on the other end, it's kind of wacky that they allow 14 threes. They still have a winning record. That was that was much more of my reaction. They're eight and six. Holy smokes. If you get to the free throw line against them a bit, you seem to slow them down and change the game. So in the 14 games in which they have allowed 27 or more free throws, it's the same 8 and 6. So, you know, if you want to have a perfect offensive night where you shoot 27 free throws and you make 14 threes, you might be able to beat them. But, I mean, this, this is quite a task. And give them, I mean, this is what a great basketball team does. This is what this is what great great teams do. The only other one of a little bit of interest if you don't turn it over. Okay, you don't turn it over. It's not great, but in the 21 games where someone's turned it over 12 or fewer times, I think it was. Oh no, actually that's not quite right. It's the um 30 29 games in which someone's turned it over 12 or fewer times. That's 10 of their losses. So that's, right, that's 10 and 19. They're 19 and 10 if opponent has less than 12 turnovers. The bottom line is they're just not flawed. Assisted turnover does seem to be the number well, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't love it. We'll keep an eye on during the broadcast. 
because it does seem to be the one that if they're turning it over, they're not getting assists, they're not rolling offensively, leads to one of their bad offensive nights. All right, game two tonight. Ron and I will be at 5 o'clock on the floor. Join us for that. This is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.